Hello and welcome to the Weight of Freight, where we explore the intricate yet powerful connections between the freight and commodities markets. My name is Alex Yunovich and I'm the Global Head of Freight at Argus Media. And today we're exploring a very interesting topic and that is the seaborne transportation of Russian crude oil. Uh, so we'll explore how much does it actually cost to move Russian oil like Urals, uh, what is the premium for operating in this sanctioned market, and how do factors like the oil price cap and the so-called shadow fleet factor into all this. And I'm pleased to be joined by my exceedingly smart colleague, John Ollard, who is the deputy editor for Freight, uh, to talk all of this through. John, lovely to have you here. Great to be here. So let's not beat around the bush much. As we speak here today on the beautiful day of April 28, how much does it cost to move, let's say, 1 million barrels of euros to India? In simplest terms, it costs around $6.50 to move a single barrel of euros to India on a Suez Max ship, which typically carry 1 million tons. We also look at Varende crude here at Argus, which comes out of Murmansk in 1 million ton parcels, and that's costing about $8 a barrel um, to move into India. One note is that we, we also do occasionally see Aframac shipments moving on the same route, and we are still assessing those levels. And that is slightly more expensive because they don't have the same economies of scale. So, for example, out of the Black Sea into India, we're looking at about $10.50 for an Aframac carrying Urals. Okay, that sounds uh, already quite expensive, I would say. Uh, how much, uh, let's say, does it take in terms of percentage of a delivered price? Because that does sound like a high number. Yeah, so we're talking around 9% of the delivered price. At the moment, Euros in India is trading at around 68 to $70 a barrel. So the Suez Max rates are going to make up anywhere from about 95 to 12% of that, depending on, depending on the point of origin or anything like that. If the charter chose to use an Aframax instead, we're talking about much higher levels of sort of 15.5%. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, we, we're talking about uh, the difference between the origin, the vessel size, and of course, the the crew grade that we're talking about here. But whichever way you look at it, it's quite a substantial number from the delivered price of crude. Absolutely. I mean, if we were to compare that to other crudes that are shipped in the Mediterranean, so CPC crude, which is shipped out of Novorossiysk, the same port that Urals is shipped out of. If you want to take that right the way into East Asia, you're only talking about $5.30 a barrel, which is, you know, not quite half, but but certainly close to that level. And if you wanted to take that into the Mediterranean, it's only going to be about $2.77 a barrel or $4 a barrel up into Europe. Um, so that's much cheaper as well. And then if you look at something like uh, Aziri crude, that's even cheaper again. So Russian origin Euros and Varende crudes are are currently priced much higher in freight terms than uh, they would have been before sanctions. And that is a also brings us to another interesting topic, and that's something that a lot of our customers keep asking us: is how much of the impact sanctions actually had on this high freight for um, Russian barrels. And we do now track that at Argus. So could you elaborate on how we do that and what the numbers tell us. Absolutely. So 
we didn't really feel that comparing euros to CPC was a fair comparison. So what we did was we developed some non-sanctioned euros freight rates out of the Black Sea, Primorsk, and then Varanday out of out of Murmansk. And we derive those from other liquid routes in the market. And what that does is it gives us a, a good solid picture of what Russian exports would be would cost if there were no sanctions. And then we can compare the non-sanctioned rates to the, the rates that we're, we're seeing in the actual market. And that can give us a really good indication of what the premium is. And at the moment, it's quite a lot. You know, we're talking sometimes up to twice as much for the Russian origin stuff uh, sanctioned versus the, the pre-sanctioned levels. So if I just pick a, a, a number out of the ballpark here, Nova 6 to West Coast India Aframax would be $5.47 for our sort of baseline yeah. uh, level. And then the actual rate that we're seeing in the market, $10.54. So, you know, not quite twice, but definitely getting in that general direction. Yeah, very noticeable though, I'd say, if, if, if you start multiplying that number by the number of barrels <laughs> being Yes, being once you yes. multiply it by 800,000, it gets really big. <laughs> Indeed, and talking about that relationship, right, is, and that's something again, that is on, on the minds of a lot of people, is that how does that sanctions premium spread, let's call it that, behaves right now and how it behaved uh, earlier because in uh, like just just some weeks before we saw it narrowing quite substantially and now uh, and now again uh, I, th- I think it's widening right for uh, pretty pretty much most most of the routes so could you talk more about that on uh, how uh, like this relationship works between the general market and the sanctioned Russian market and how we could expect the sanctions premium to move from from now into, let's say, next few months? Certainly. I mean, we've seen it be quite an unusual spread. So the way that the market works at the moment, and it has done over the last several weeks, is that most crude is traded under the price cap. And that means that therefore most ship owners can carry this crude without risking any sanctions. Mm. So at the moment, most of the ships that we see operating in the Black Sea, which is which is the main area, are either Greek, Turkish, or from the UAE. Um, that, that, that is the nationality of the owners. Now, most of those ships, particularly the Greeks, operate across the entirety of the tanker market. So they are at the moment as comfortable operating uh, on Russian cargoes as they are on non-Russian cargoes. However, if the price goes above the price cap and the cargo is traded above the price cap, then these owners could be subject to sanctions for carrying that cargo. Um, And that is going to create more of a problem. For example, if they're potentially subject to sanctions, they may struggle to get their insurance. Their Mm. insurers may struggle to get the reinsurance necessary for the deal. And and a lot of these owners have a wide range of ships. And it could be that all ships are going to be sanctioned for the actions of a single ship. So on the whole, we'll see a lot of these sort of particularly the Greeks and potentially the Turkish owners as well are going to retreat from the market a bit if the if crude gets above that price cap. And in the last couple of weeks, it very much has done. So before that, we were seeing rates coming off. But now that that crude price is starting to push above that level, and India has given an indication that it has no problem buying crude above the price cap, Mm -hmm. that's starting to change the dynamic that we're seeing. It's really reducing the elasticity of those Russian origin rates. 
Yeah, so it is an interesting dynamic. So basically what we've seen before is that general fleet was much more involved, which means that the Russian uh, sanction, uh, even sanction rates were much closer connected to the movements of the general market, right? And now, as you yes. correctly said, it's a much higher floor for Russian barrels simply because it's, it becomes more and more of a premium business as the balance shifts potentially more towards the shadow fleet. Uh, exactly. The price gap is breached. Of course, one, always, one example of yeah. that I could give is that when we first started assessing these rates back in February, the, the absolute freight rate, so the, the total cost, we were looking at about nine to 15 million dollars for each voyage, depending on origin, depending on size and things like mm. that. Now we're looking at a range that's more like six to 11 million. So as the overall tanker market has come off because of the upcoming OPEC cuts, the Eid holidays, various other factors, we saw that nine to 15 million drop to six to 11 million. But now as the crude price is going up, we're seeing that drop stop. Mm -hmm. very abruptly, while our baseline rates, which are based on the, the liquid tanker market, which is still dropping, they continue to slide. So we're seeing the premium widen, whereas we previously would have seen it close. Yeah, so that's uh, that's an interesting thing to, for everyone to look at, is that how that sanction premium behaves. And just remember that there are quite a few factors in play in terms of the balance between the shadow and uh, the gen general fleet, and in terms of what's going on uh, around the price cap. And I guess one, one thing, again, it's a, a, a little bit of a sneaky thing to remember, but uh, there's always going to be a little bit of a lag, we think, that if you, uh, depending on how consistently uh, the oil goes above the price cap, let's just shortly before that, or just at that point, I think some owners can still engage in that trade legitimately because they'll be able to submit the paperwork, let's say, on at the right time in, ter mm -hmm. in terms of it's still the oil below the price cap. But that relationship, the uh, shadow fleet being more involved, is likely to see the sanctions premium widen uh, going forward. But again, worth looking at the market moves uh, together, right? Exactly. And that, 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 that's what makes for the most interesting dynamic at the moment. The fact that where we should see it dropping, it hasn't been dropping as quickly as it was. And we are seeing those shadow fleet vessels moved, which will also create um, disruptions elsewhere in the market. The shadow fleet traditionally operates on the Iranian crude exports and hasn't necessarily grown to be large enough hasn't necessarily grown to be large enough to supply all of Russia's needs. So that will also come into potentially be a factor in the future. Of course, if you have less uh, less supplies or less ships available to do your business naturally, you will be charged more for it. And if uh, people have to go towards the shadow fleet, they'll have to, uh, I guess, pay the premium price for using it. So yeah, uh, th that's very interesting. I think we're at the end of our time though now. And John, thank you very much for your expertise. As always, nice to have you here. Nice to be here. Thank you. Yeah, and to everyone who listened, just a quick reminder, uh, you can, if you're a, a customer of uh, Argus Freight, you can download special slides, which we're going to leave the link in the description, as well as access the online workspace, which will contain all the Russian origin freight prices that your heart may desire. Thank you very much for listening, and we hope to uh, see you again on the next Way to Freight podcast. Mm -hmm.